0: Welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gasowsky. Here, as usual, with my favorite critic, Courtney Small.
1: Hello. How are you doing today?
0: Good. How are you?
1: Oh, not too bad. You know, we're all coping and surviving, and hopefully, all our listeners are doing well.
0: Yes. And if you guys need help with some distraction, uh, we're here to talk about some movies that we will be uh, streaming as part of this year's edition of Hot Docs, the, the documentary film festival. It's an international festival, and um, yeah, so there's various ways you can stream it, and we're going to just talk about some of the films, right? That's right. And all the information is at hotdocs.a. okay? So please, uh, please go there as often as possible. Uh, Everything's going to start streaming on May 28th, and it's going to go till June 7th, I think. Okay. So I want to start off with a film that um, I, I just really loved, and I want to start off with it because it's a great uh, jumping-off point. It's a really upbeat. Um, it's not always, like, upbeat in mood and, and content, but it's, it's upbeat in terms of it's such a, a dynamic style. Um, it's called Dark City Beneath the Beat, and it's basically a, a musical and... Documentary about Baltimore and about especially about the art scene in Baltimore, um, especially uh, music, uh, DJs, club artists, dancers, and all sorts of people from the creative community there, and how they are all, you know, just realizing their dreams and and dealing with life and, um, and it's such a healthy, vibrant scene. And the, the film is very vibrant. And in fact, it was made by TT the artist. And she just, she just has this incredibly, um, it's an incredibly varied look, you, you know, even though the subject is say, you know, the arts, the club scene, the music, you know, it's not that simple in terms of the way that she realizes this vision, and it's a complicated vision, which it should be, right? Um, but what is amazing to me is how she can weave all these visual rhythms and sound, you know, in terms of sound, music rhythms, and it, that's why I think it's a very exciting thing to watch. And I think it'd be really interesting for a lot of people. Like film people will remember that this, the history of like a visual rhythm is like it's it's like part of cinema itself it's part of cinema history itself and lots of artists have tackled like there was even this film in 1927 by Walter Ruttman and it was it was Berlin it was like a city symphony of Berlin Um, and this is is more uh, is is in a sense more complicated because there are there's a mix of voices Sometimes people break out into dance sometimes you'll hear voiceovers as you see um, you know uh, just scenes from the club scenes and it's it's a it's it's just such a vital <laughs> a vital look it's such a, a vital like an evolving community you know mm-hmm. it's um yeah it, there's so much going on and like if you love dance and if you love music and like i said if cinema people will just love this and tt she just puts in and it just flows it's such a variety of different kinds of scenes and like moments from people's lives um or personal stories they have right and it's all woven together just so perfectly dark
1: city beneath the beat oh that sounds really good
0: yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and it's really great, you know, because it's different. That that's this is. I watched it. and I thought this is what I need. Something completely different. So I hope audiences, you know, will see that film.
1: Well, that's great. I, I, one I would recommend audience check out is Mare, um, the new film by filmmaker David Oset and I, I guess it would continue on the, the themes of. Different slightly in the sense that it, it shows a different side to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and this from the the viewpoint of view from the mayor of Ramallah, which is I guess one of the largest Palestinian cities that's bordered by um, Israeli settlements. Settlements, yeah, and they're they're living under the the occupation. They're living under the occupation of the Israeli settlements, and you're you're following this mayor as he is basically trying to improve his city the only way he can at the municipal level but he's also constantly faced with the Israeli army storming in his fellow councilors wanting to you know take everything from the christmas tree lighting ceremonies and making that a political statement you have trump declaring spontaneously that Jerusalem will be the capital of Israel and all the, the chaos that um, compounds from that. And I, I just found it a very fascinating portrait of what the Palestinian people in that section of the world have to go through. And
0: yeah, I agree. Know,
1: they're a, they're a modernized city and they're kind of, as they said like a city in transition. They've got their Popeye's chicken, what have you, they're like everywhere else. But then at the same time, <laughs> There's a lot of limitations. They don't have, I guess, proper landfills and whatnot because everything they want to do, they have to get approval from the Israeli government and the government's not giving them that approval so easily. So I, I think it's just a fascinating portrait of a, a, a land and a conflict from a view that we, we don't normally get to see.
0: Absolutely, I agree with you. It's it. I really liked the way that there were times when it was just so candid, and it showed us a picture of the individual, and you know, and him as a person trying to deal with all these different things. But it also gave us like a look into the daily lives where mm-hmm. of Palestinians, where simple things are not simple. And so, and then the filmmaker seems to capture these moments that are very dramatic and intense, but also very like kind of black comedy at times, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: As well, like on top of that, so it's 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 a complicated film about a complicated circumstance, um, and in in some ways it's very very moving, you know. But I, the end, the end really got me. Yeah.
1: yeah? Th- there's a there's a kind of bittersweetness to it. There's a sadness that kind of flows through.
0: Yeah. Even though there's all these other things going on at the same time, exactly. which is yeah, which is what makes this a great like a great film. Yeah, so that's Mayor. Um, what else do you want to talk about?
1: Okay. Well, I can also bring up another film that I found really interesting and it's one called hashtag blessed. And it's a film that looks at the religious group C three. Uh, I guess it was founded in Australia. It's a christian-based group but i look at i guess they're more evangelical yeah. in terms of their christianity and they start in australia and they've kind of expanded over the world but toronto seems to have one of the most thriving um, chapters and they've already opened up two churches here in, in toronto and they're in the process of this film they're now working towards opening up a third so It follows the pastor and a few of the parishioners who are predominantly millennials. And I guess that's the big appeal of this particular church is that it's found a way to crack the millennial code in terms of bringing them in and keeping them. And it's just a very interesting look at religion. I I find the film isn't judgmental either way in in terms of saying you have to believe this or that, but it does show you... There are two sides to it. There's those who find it as a place of community, a place where they can build their faith. And then there's others who find it more as not what is advertised. Some people realize that the spiritual aspect of it isn't as strong as they um, pretend it is and that it's a church that cares more about image and bringing in people than actually solving the, the void within.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also really interesting because it, it gives such an insight into the millennials, right? The generation that, you know, has this reputation. And I'm not saying it's a justified reputation, but it's a generation that, you know, is the one that everybody makes jokes about for having received participation medals and, you know, their parents just wanted to be their friends, and right? And so it seems to be a, a generation that according to to those stereotypes has had everything has everything right and yet that generation there are you know members that of that generation that talk in the film and they're talking about how they feel like, like they need more you know and that's why this church because the church uses things that are you know kind of trendy and cool to get their interest and then you know people talk about how um they need validation you know things like that and so it's kind of an like i i really appreciate the fact that it goes that much into depth um the film you know yeah and it, it's it's not it's not easy
1: yeah it's a very intriguing film. And it was directed by Ali Weinstein, who I guess her last documentary was the film Mermaids, which showed at Hot Docs.
0: Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, and that's
1: another film about people looking for a sense of community, um, sometimes to help cope with trauma in the past or just isolation. So this kind of continues that type of through line of, you know, makeshift communities and how they thrive, or what purpose are they really serving. So it just it's an interesting film that I would recommend people check out. Uh,
0: Absolutely, you, me too. Yeah. And
1: you saw Coded Biases, right? I heard good things oh, about that. Do you want to talk coded about
0: Coded Bias. Coded Bias is a film that everyone needs to see. Everyone needs to see because it will scare the hell out of you. it scared scare the hell out of me. I actually don't ever want to touch technology again. I wanted to shut down my Facebook, my Instagram, everything. And if I kept them, just put up images of like cats or something, you know, not my face because coded bias, um, investigates, uh, artificial intelligence and the technology, you know, that goes into facial recognition and the algorithms. And what's really interesting is that it, it follows, it's, it starts, and it mostly is, you know, an exploration of uh, this research uh, from MIT, uh, Joy Wallen she, uh She was doing a lot of work around facial recognition algorithms. And she discovered that when she created, she was creating something, you know, to use. It was this magic mirror that she created, right? And uh, she wanted to play around with AI using not for some sort of project she was doing. And um, what she discovered was that the technology could not read her face. Her face is black. She's a black woman, right? But when she put a white mask on, it could read that, which is, you know, that so, and then, so she created this program where the it's you're supposed to look in this, you know, I'm using quotes mirror. Uh, right. So there's this, uh facial recognition technology it is supposed to read your face and you know do whatever it's supposed to do, but it couldn't read her hers and so the more she investigated, the more she started to uncover this white bias that is absolutely like she kept digging and digging until like it, the film even goes into the history of artificial intelligence and machine based learning to discover that there's a bias even in the algorithms. Mm. like the very beginning it was a bunch of white guys right yeah and that that made its way into the actual mathematics of the whole you know that the basis for everything right and if that wasn't bad enough that there's you know all these other problems that the film brings up so that's her her focus is on that and she is an amazing woman Uh, And and an amazing documentary subject, like she's just absolutely um, inviting and charming. And, you know, you just it's no surprise that she gets invited to go talk about um, her her discoveries and her experiences with these facial recognition um, technologies. Right. But there's other women. And this is one of the other great things about the film is that it's all women. All the experts are women. And what the women are, it's not just that they're women, it's just, um, it's nice to have a, a an atmosphere where something like science and technology, um, the voices are f- just different, yeah. you know? They're not the same old white guys, right? Um, and so these other, so as the filmmaker follows these other people and brings up their, what they've learned about these technologies, um, it starts to show us examples of how um, the facial recognition technology is being used in a bad way and, and in a scary way as well. And there's examples of, you know, like um, what police were doing in England. I think it was in, in like a part of London. And they set up this area where they just pointed cameras at people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it's, the film shows you and all these, you know, all these experts start showing you. And what happened in that, ex- it wasn't an experiment in London. It was, I don't know, uh, some sort of police procedure or something. And what happens is they they capture, um, you know, um, racial profiling. So, <laughs> but also the film goes into what happens, you know, when we put our faces on Facebook and Instagram and things like that and how not only the clicks that we're, you know, we're doing when we're clicking on things tells machines and advertisers and stuff about us, but there's now it's, it's stuff is put it encoded into the technology itself. Um, and it shows us the scary ways in which the cameras are reading our faces and making all sorts of assumptions. And some of them, you know, can actually cause a lot of damage. Oh, so wow. I know. I went into too much. I'm sorry if I went.
1: No, no. But it this, sounds thrilling. It sounds uh, this, very interesting.
0: This film. I, like, I haven't even scratched the surface. So, you know, if I was badly too much, I haven't even scratched the surface. Because coded bias is is just going to, like, shock the hell out of everybody. And if it doesn't, then, I don't know, you're a robot. But, but the great, you know, the great thing about the film is that it actually has like animated sequences of robots. Right. And it's it. Anyway, I'm not going to ruin that joke, but um, it's got these talking heads and it's got found footage, you know, that helps fill in the history and stuff. So it's just like there's not not just this really important film content wise, but it's just a really well made film that, you know, just breezes by. Um, and it's just fascinating. Oh, coded really? bias. Yeah, coded oh, Definitely
1: bias. Uh, check that one out. And you also saw, was it Bulletproof?
0: I saw Bulletproof, which is another scary. This is scary, but th- these are important things, you know, that people should be talking about. Bulletproof is, uh, you know, basically shows us what's happening in schools these days. Yes, you know, the daily... Uh, the age-old rituals of you know home homecoming parades and and games and practices and you know everybody's gathering at the games and it's American so there's a lot of marching bands and and stuff like that and sometimes you know kids in uniform because you know they're they're in some sort of like army type uh, cadet right and that's mm-hmm. part of like they part of their parades and things like that but it also shows us and it takes us like right into the middle of like lockdown drills and teachers being taught uh how to use a firearm and trade shows that are you know they say they're talking about school safety and basically they're talking about how to weaponize the classroom and it seems to be that there's a heavy reliance um amongst these people you know that are doing these conversations Uh, There's a heavy reliance on the whole notion that, you know, you have to keep, at the trade shows anyway, you have to keep adding more things, you know, as as opposed to taking things away.
1: Yeah, you're never not protected enough.
0: Exactly. So it's, that's what these trade shows are doing and these courses and everything's all about that. But interestingly enough, there are voices, even from experts that you wouldn't think, uh, they're, you know, they are wishing that while they are observing also and wishing that things weren't like that, you know, so you do get insights into another point of view. And, you know, if, if I really had the power, I would do it this way. But you find a lot of people, even in the roles, the decision-making roles don't have a lot of choice because of the entire system, the way the, the whole thing is structured and set up. Um, so, Bulletproof is fascinating, you know. It's a fascinating film, and I'd recommend it. And I feel like I feel like I've gotten into scary territory. <laughs> but do you have something um, not scary? Uh,
1: I don't know about not scary, but in terms of the whole theme of never having enough, I'll, I'll quickly touch on. They call me Doctor Miami, which is a documentary about plastic surgeon, Michael Salshauer. Uh, uh, my apologies if I mispronounce that name. But he is better known as Dr. Miami. He's a plastic surgeon who has skyrocketed in fame partly because of Instagram and Snapchat, all those digital apps. And he has turned his practice into... I guess this social media phenomenon where even musicians are are rapping about him. He's garnered a TV show out of it. He's been on, I guess, um, TV shows like The Doctors peddling his advice. But at the same time, as much as he's convincing people, including his staff, to get plastic surgery, he's also a devoutly religious man. He's a Jewish man filled with insecurities. So the film... I don't know if it would necessarily change your views on plastic surgery, but it's interesting in terms of showing that, I guess, dichotomy that exists within Dr. Miami. He, On one hand, he's very much about faith and the, the natural world and being close to family, what have you. And then the next, he's kind of exploiting everyone else around yeah. him to make money and to alter people and the film also touches on like how plastic surgery there's you know serious risks to it but it's more focused on him exploiting he at one point he wants to have a sign to promote his practice and he's willing to exp- exploit the political divide in america so it's just it's just a really interesting look at a individual who i, I don't know the batman quote best know, <laughs> comes up where in I think The Dark Knight Rises, they say you, you live long enough to either see yourself a hero or become a villain. And I feel in this film, he sees himself as doing good, but you kind of see him evolving into becoming a villain. And I don't think he's quite figured that part out yet, like that moral conflict. So it's 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 an interesting watch. I, I will say that.
0: It is interesting. And um, I just will add that I just wish that the film had reconciled the two different sides of him. Mm-hmm. You know, because you see him sort of being very orthodox, you know, with, and very, very more sane, right? <laughs> more sane and logical and reasonable when he's being himself, right? And and even his family talking about him and saying, well, no, that Dr. Miami, that's not him. Uh, but sometimes in terms of the structure of the film, it just goes immediately. And it, it seems maybe it was just the way I was reading it. It just seemed to be not quite, ironically, it will go from this uh, uh, vision of him being very devout and very logical, right, to him being, like, very brash and awful in, in terms of exploiting people, you know? And I wish the film had explored maybe a bit more of that other side of him and and not reconciling, because I understand that it's more interesting if it gives us this this... Uh, view, right, this conflicted view to figure out for ourselves Um, but it just seems like there's a structural uh, problem that I wish had been reconciled a bit better
1: Yeah, and the the last thing I'll say about this film is it, it, it provides an interesting commentary not just on social media but I think just America or I should say North America society as a whole in the sense that even his family has problems with some of the stuff he does and even he has problems, but for the the sake, uh, the sake of commerce, he's they're they're willing to ignore it. And I feel like a lot of that's happening in our world today where a lot of people are doing questionable or outright bad things, but for the sake of financial gains, people are willing to look the other way. So it's, again, it's interesting. It's, not a perfect film, but it did give me some stuff to think about. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, well, maybe that's it. Maybe that what you brought up in terms of the extreme, the extremes uh, that he, he is occupying these two fish two two extreme positions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what makes it so jar, made it so jarring for me to watch. Right. Was that, I mean, he's extremely religious and extremely, um, questionable <laughs> in terms of, as a doctor, right? Yeah. So, yeah, well, at least, you know, that one's going to leave people talking, that's for sure. Uh,
1: do you want to maybe lighten the mood? I think you saw Lessons of Love?
0: Lessons of Love. Yeah. I mean, that's a it's a Polish film, and it's a candid and and close-up portrait of a Polish woman and she's 69 um and uh she you know that generation a lot of people are very traditional and stuff and you know so she is leaving her husband after 45 years he was always abusive and but it's now that she's decided that she is going to leave him and they were they were living in italy so she leaves that house and then she returns to poland and she's She's doing her best to just reinvent herself, which is always an amazing, you know, thing to watch. But especially someone, you know, who's who's older, who's part of a different kind of a generation, and who's part of a different kind of experience. And maybe, you know, I'm imposing like um, my my cultural uh, a cultural bias, you know, being Polish and having grown up with, you know, women like that and men like that. And it's it's amazing to me that the film actually was able to follow her that closely that you can even um, you even get an insight into her relationship with her husband it's it's you'll see it's just it's done in a very surreptitious way yeah um which explains why they got away with it um but then you also you know watch her and she's she's a character she's a real character and uh, it's interesting the discussions she has with her friends uh, you know they're also. You know, changing, and so to have that kind of changing, changing values, changing views of life, and and that um, in in your later years, right, in the like sort of like latter half of your life, um, and you know, her moments with her boyfriend are very adorable and sweet, even though there's kind of this weird weird. Uh, relationship that they have, but she herself, you know, she's one of those. She she almost, but I'm not going to impose a completely this vision of, you know, she almost reminded me of the women in Grey Gardens in terms of, you know, she has these like really old. She loves old old dresses, like the really pretty elaborate ones, you know, and a lot of elaborate jewelry and and her place is this, this is the the Grey Gardens part. Her place is stuffed with this kind of stuff, you know, and I guess that's part of reinventing herself is now she gets to surround herself, right. Um, with what she wants, but, but, you know, there's so many different things going on in the film and they're very interesting. And it's just, um, it's just a very, very lovely different kind of film, you know, and it's not too upsetting because you don't see too much of, you see more of her, you know, and not so much of the abusive, you know, husband part. So yeah. that's lessons of love. It's kind of poetic too. <laughs> sorry.
1: No, no, that's good. Uh, one that I will bring up that I guess is a little more dramatic in tone is Stateless, and it's a film by Michelle Stevenson. And Stateless looks at <laughs> the um, individuals. There's about two thousand, or sorry, two hundred thousand people. Who uh, who are in the Dominican um, Republic that are of Haitian descent. And due to years of historical racism, starting back from the 19, I guess, 1937, when tens of thousands of Haitians were exterminated and even dark-skinned Dominicans were, were were killed as a result of the the ruler of the time wanting to make the Dominican Republic a lot more whiter in in its look in terms of the the people even though it's predominantly what spanish and i guess black uh, skin colored individuals now but anyway they fast forward to 2013 and the government decides that they are going to invoke a rule that revokes the citizenships of any Haitian descendants and it's retroactive to 1929. So you've got 200,000 individuals who are now without a place of residency and the film looks at one lawyer who herself is a um, descendant of Haitians and that she's trying to represent people and try to make sure that everyone who has their birth certificates from years ago keeps it in pristine condition because they're going to be introducing new um, ID cards for the Dominican Republic. And again, that's another way to cleanse the the Haitian population and just showing how systemic racism can really um, marginalize a community and, and leave people essentially homeless or without a, a land to call their own. And, on the flip side they also follow a woman who i guess shows more of the right-wing side she's from the nationalist party one of the nationalist political groups in the dominican republic and she very much spouts the same ideology that you would hear at you know a trump rally or as we've seen in other documentaries in parts of europe where the, the they view the foreigner in this case the haitian descendants as criminals rapists there to steal jobs all that propaganda and it's i think the reason why this film resonates so much is because even though it's focused on one specific community and population a lot of the themes are universal like we are seeing this play out in other regions right now and you know the idea of having your citizenship revoked Based off of simply who your parents were or who your grandparents were, even though if you were born, like you know, for our listeners, imagine if you were born in America or born in Canada, yeah, and absolutely. You're two generations Canadian, but your grandparents or great grandparents came from a different country, and they automatically say, "Well, because so and so came from Ireland or so and so came from Jamaica, automatically your Canadian or American citizenship is revoked." You know, that there's huge ramifications to that. Right. And it's not like you can go back to Ireland or whatever and then just automatically be be claimed citizenship because you won't get that either. Right. It's you know, so you strip people of their ID yet you still use those people to help build your resources. And in this case, the Haitian people were brought to the Dominican Republic to help foster sugar cane and just that kind of being able to use people and then discard them is a, a very interesting and powerful work.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah And it does have ramifications for today I mean, and um, we have examples, unfortunately It sounds very powerful
1: Yeah, do you want to touch on, I guess, the one that we both saw The the Painter and the Thief Because that's an interesting yes, one about I
0: Two can't. two different yeah, I people coming
1: together So maybe this is the flip side to, uh, to Stateless Instead of <laughs> bringing people apart This one finds an odd way of bringing people together
0: it does. This is uh, probably one of the the oddest things uh, and most fascinating. And I don't know, I've got all sorts of positive adjectives for this one. The painter, the thief, is actually it's very unique. I'll say that for sure. It's very unique. Uh, it plays around with you know the cinema verite or it's sometimes called direct cinema, playing around with that um, style, and it's sort of I don't know. This is the big question. Is it narratively reconstru it using narrative reconstruction, or is it suggesting that? Because this was filmed over three years? It's about an artist um, and she's the painter and sh- her paintings were stolen. Two of her paintings were stolen. And through various ways we see because you know, like I said, it's they follow this story over like a lo- number of years, three years. And she finds the thief, one of the thieves, there's two thieves and she hooks up with one of the thieves in terms of, uh, meets him and becomes friends with him. And then you see this, this long, unusual relationship, um, that it's, it's very unusual, this relationship. Um, it starts off with her saying, well, in, because you stole, you know, you have to give me something back. Right. Um, and so in terms of a description, I think I think that covers it, yeah, no, right? Yeah, that's,
1: that's, that's pretty accurate. And it's just an interesting yeah, so, bond that's formed uh, between them.
0: Yeah, but so th- there's these questions where there's these moments because the film goes back and forth in time. It will go forward and then suddenly it'll stop and say, okay, but six months earlier, right? Or, you know, two years earlier and then... So it goes back and forth in time and fills in the details that way. So that's where pos- the possible suggestion of narrative reconstruction comes up. Or actually, which is connected to Verite. And Verite is this, you know, you're the fly on the wall, you don't interfere, you don't do anything. But what we saw in the heyday of Verite and direct cinema in the States and you know, was the question, does the presence of the camera affect what's going on do people act differently and does it lead them to do things they wouldn't or say things they wouldn't without the camera there well how what effect does this camera have and how when people are comfortable how does that change because over three years you're comfortable right the crew is there you know hello how are you let's have our morning coffee together and let's start shooting right so these kinds of things, so that starts to add, and it's a very, very, very bizarre uh, story, right? And how much of that, that, this, these are the questions that came out for me, how much of that, and you, I don't know, I think different people will come up with different um, uh, answers, and uh, different points of view based on just that structure and the way that they decided to put it together. It's you know, It's very poetic in many ways. Um, and it's also very direct in many yeah, ways. You I know? found
1: that when I was watching it, for me, there's obviously a manipulation that's going on. But I, what I walked away thinking about the most was perception, and and what we, I guess, how do we, re- when do we really know someone? Because in this film, you see these two individuals who. Are forming a friendship there's a bond there but we start to see through the manipulating of how events unfold the different views of people and one of the things that struck me is that everything we learn about the painter we primarily or I say for the most part we learn from the view of the thief and vice versa yes they each are telling yes. each other's yes. story and it also shapes the the view so in in one scene when the thief might be a little moody she's got her own reasons explanation for that but then you realize that her explanation isn't quite what actually happened like she's way off the mark her perception is not full reality and in in an odd way because I guess they spend so much time and they get to know each other on on a much deeper level I felt like they were almost meant to be together in terms of their friendship because they both have a a darkness (laughs) to them and only they can kind of see the light within each other. It was a very interesting look.
0: Uh, You're being very poetic Mm -hmm. here. You're being very poetic, yeah. Um, But it also, um, you know, it it just made me wonder what you're, like, I think what you're saying is bang on. And uh, it just reminded me that that also made me wonder they're telling each other stories we find out you know uh, and what are we what's our role yeah, in right. this in terms of like and what are we being fed and <laughs> this is an observational documentary which that has certain expectations and certain consequences for the viewer but does it or or did we just assume that like we assumed certain things about them until they got overturned
1: yeah, that's you know right.
0: Oh, it's very complicated in a fascinating way. This is this is like one of the, the most interesting docs I've seen. I think, you know, this one will stay with me for a long time. I don't think I'll ever forget it.
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, the whole festival so far, we, we just gave you, what, nine different films to choose from, and that's not even cracking the surface of what the online version has to offer this year.
0: No, yeah, that's yeah, just cracking the surface there. So, I mean, there's a lot to see and it's it's going to be really interesting. Also, I think at the beginning I um, at the top of the show, I gave a false impression of the festival, which was that it only ran for I think the official, you know, running of the films with they have they're going to have pre-taped Q&As in a lot of cases, right? The official running is from like May 28th to June 6th. But a lot of these films are available, you know. So pick and choose carefully because some of these, you know, watch for right away, and some of these may run later into June, right? A little bit, a little bit later. So you've got a lot of flex, some flexibility in terms of how you schedule these things um, and how you choose to stream them, right? So, um, and don't forget. Hotdocs.ca is the place to go to learn everything you need to know
1: about this whole process Yeah, you can find all the list of films and how to get tickets for your uh for the virtual viewing
0: yeah and packages they have packages so you know it's uh it's always good to get a bargain right all right okay so that's it right
1: that's it there's plenty to see and you know, it's a good time to dig into some docs while you're social distancing.
0: There you go. And you can do it at home, nice and comfy. All right. So thanks for listening, everyone, and take care of yourselves.